The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Tommy's here. We took the day off yesterday. Uh, I hope everybody had a nice weekend. Tommy was just telling me before the start of the show as I was delayed because my computer quasi-crashed, and he said, you know, what would really help is if you had two of everything. Whenever I buy something, I buy two (laughs) of everything, especially when I like it. I would assume that it's only if you like it that you buy two of everything. Yes. Like if there's a particular shirt or something that I like, uh, I buy two of them. Give me the most recent example. Gonna... Oh. Well, a T-shirt. A T-shirt I bought from the, a Marx Brothers movie. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, D- Duck Soup, the, the second greatest comedy of all time. Uh, I know eventually you like a T-shirt, you wear it, it's going to wear out. You know, it's going to wind up with holes in it. It's, and, and T-shirts, you know, you, you wear them until they fall off. But eventually it will fall off, and then I have my backup. Okay, so that's the most recent. What is the thing that you buy two of most often? So, after, so T-shirts is your number one. What about shoes? I think that when I find a really good pair of shoes, I'm always disappointed that when they wear out, I'm not talking about nice shoes. I'm not talking about nice, you know, on the expensive side shoes, dress shoes. I'm talking about, you know, slip-ons or, you know, tennis shoes or golf shoes in my case. I always realize when the, the shoes are basically shot that they're not available anymore and I get upset that I didn't get two of them. So there I know where, I know where there you're you coming go. from. Yeah, but I don't do it. I should start yeah. doing that. It- Okay, this ought to be funny. How many shoes do you have? Um, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not Marcos. Um, I, I, I've, I, what? How many do you have? Like, how many pairs of shoes do I have? Well, because... Yeah, and in your closet. In my shoes, closet sneakers, right now. Golf shoes to work. Now, in my closet isn't where all of my shoes are, because there are some shoes that I have that are in the mudroom. There are also some shoes that I have in my locker um, at my golf course. There are also some shoes that I have in my car. Um, oh, so I would, You already have more <laughs> shoes than I do. I just that description. I would guess that I have... Uh, 
I would guess that I have 30 pairs of shoes. Oh, get out of here! That's not a lot, is it? You might not be Marcos, but you're, you're, but you're an offspring. Hold on, let me... Uh, I, I think 30 would be right, because I'm thinking about my closet right now. I have... In my closet, I, on one side, I, I have kind of my dress and casual shoes. And then on the other side, I have kind of like I've got basketball shoes, which I don't use anymore because I don't play like I used to. Tennis shoes, there's some, there are no golf shoes in there, but there, but there are a lot of like slip-on casual shoes. I would say there are 15 pairs there. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revise that to like 24 Maybe 20 total pairs. 20 total pairs. Actually, that might be light. I'll go with 24 total pairs of shoes. Is that a lot? Okay. Uh, that would seem like a lot to me. Maybe it's not a lot to most people. Uh, I, it uh, seems like I a have... lot now that you're saying it. Because I don't wear yeah, most of I... them. <laughs> I don't. I have a, a, a pair of dress shoes. I have two pairs of sneakers. The ones I wear, because I order two at a time. Mm-hmm. The ones I wear... And the ones that are in the box still new that I, you know, that I'll wear uh, when these wear out. <laughs> right, buying two. And I have a, a pair of, of uh, what do you call those things? Clogs that. Uh, oh God, they must Crocs. look great on your feet. Crocs. Oh boy. I have a pair of Crocs uh-huh. that I wear I around the house up. or in the pool or something like uh-huh. that. Right. That's it. That's it. Zero. You know, the truth is, I probably. Only see. I think part of my problem is I don't really throw shoes out. The other part of my problem, I'll get back to my my total uh, shoe count uh, uh, here in a second. One of the other reasons I've thought about buying two at various times over the years is that my sons will take my shoes, and then I don't have those shoes anymore. Perfect example. Recently, I haven't told you this. I don't think I've told you this. Maybe I have. Um, I've really gotten into pickleball. I really enjoy pickle, pickleball. It's, Good for it's, you. It's, my wife is a big pickleball player, and I've occasionally played, and I enjoy it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I got uh, I ordered online a pair of shoes maybe two months ago, um, Under Armour tennis shoes. You know, they're for you know all court tennis racket sport right. kind of shoes, and. I really liked the shoes. Well, when my son from Penn State graduated, came home, I couldn't find the shoes all of a sudden. Where are the shoes? Well, he had the shoes on his feet. And by the way, had had, had, had them on his feet for a few days, and they no, were no long, they no longer had the new look to them. And I don't mind. I don't like new, new-looking shoes. But I'm like, oh, that's where they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I should have told you. And immediately I said to myself, he's going to keep taking these shoes, and I should have gotten two pairs of these shoes. Now, he is leaving on a trip here in two days, and I told him specifically, do not take those tennis shoes, the pickleball shoes, because then I'm going to have to get a new pair. But what I think I might do anyway is just go order the same pair while I know they are available, you yes. know, rather yes. than waiting a year and a half and then just then then loving the shoes and finding out that they don't make that shoe anymore. But here's the new shoe that's comparable to that shoe, but it's really not the same shoe. Yeah, I'm with you. Back to my well, shoe count. I, I, if I have 24 pairs, a lot of them are just because I save them. Um, and so they don't get worn. I would say in my rotation of shoes, 
I have about eight pairs of shoes. You know, if you consider dress shoes in the rotation, because if I have to get dressed, I wear, I have a couple of pairs of dress shoes depending on what I'm wearing. And then I've got, you know, I've got a couple of pairs of golf shoes just in case I end up playing somewhere where my golf shoes aren't in my locker. So I would say eight, eight to nine, ten pairs are in the normal rotation. But I've saved a lot of shoes that are in my closet. I could throw them out probably and not miss them at all. Well, that might be a good idea. Maybe. I said, they all throw them out. You can donate them. Yeah, or donate. Yeah, no, no, we, we, always, we always donate yeah. to Goodwill. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do- donate them. Yeah, we always have. Have you ever bought a pair of used shoes? <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever bought a pair of used <laughs> shoes. No, have, have you? you ever bought have you? clothes at a thrift Have you ever bought thrift shop clothes? Um, oh, God, I'm sure in college I probably did. Or, you know, shortly thereafter, I can't remember the last time I was in a thrift shop and bought clothes. I'm just being honest. Oh, I have. Why, have you, have, when's the last time you were in a thrift shop and then what did you oh, buy? I, I, well, last time we were in a thrift shop was uh, probably about a year ago. But when we were down in Florida, uh, they got thrift shops all over uh, Destin. <laughs> And and there's people with money in death, and so the stuff in the thrift shops are, pretty are good. usually good quality. Yeah, you know because they they donate stuff, and there's a lot of turnover in 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 condos and stuff, and furniture gets donated and stuff. So it's just a curiosity thing. You probably uh, hate. I don't even remember what I. You probably hate half the people that donated stuff. You're probably wearing something <laughs> from somebody that you would hate. And yet I probably you, would. Yeah, but you're wearing his shirt anyway. Um, well, that gives me a chance to walk a mile in their shoes. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Well, you got you got plenty to pick from <laughs> if they're my shoes. Um, you know, speaking of thrift shops, maybe the opposite of a thrift shop. No, a yard sale would be analogous to a thrift shop, right? A garage sale, a yard for sale. For clothing. I, yeah, for clothing. I bought stuff at, at the yard sale. Oh, when I used to collect beer trays and beer cans and Beer signs, you know, sometimes ones would pop up at uh, flea markets or uh, garage sales or things like that. But I remember in my younger days uh, buying overcoats at, like, the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. Good quality overcoats. I mean, real high-level stuff, you know, and wearing them all the time. I used to talk. It's hard to find overcoats like that anymore. You don't find them anymore. But, uh, you know, in my younger days, I used to find them all the time. Well, I, I, I was I was saying that um, I don't know if this would be the opposite of a thrift shop or a yard sale or a garage sale, but my wife, um, you know, pulled me along not this past weekend but last weekend to an estate sale, which was at a very very nice place on Massachusetts Avenue in Upper Northwest. And my wife being uh-huh. in real estate and being a designer also, like she, she, this stuff interests her. And she said, will you please come yeah. with me to this thing? Because I, there are a couple of things that I know we're going to get and I'm going to need you to help carry them. Um, when I arrived at this thing, there were already people in line. I mean, they were waiting in line on a Sunday morning to get into this place at 10 a.m. And it was, my wife, um, misled me a little bit. She says, it, 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 you've got to be here at nine. Well, I was late. 
um, because I had uh, gone to, to visit my mother that morning and I was coming back and I was there at 930, not knowing that it opened at 10. And so I had to stand in line with her for a half an hour waiting for this thing to open. And when this thing opened, like she, she, she's on her phone showing me now, right when this opens, I want you to go right to this item and pull the tag off of it. Then I want you to go right to this item and pull the tag off of it. And then I want, and she goes, and I'm going to go over here. And I said, are you serious? Because the last time we did this, half the items ended up in the garage and never left the garage. And I'm just like, this is stupid. Buy the things that you know we can use right now if you really think we can use them. If you are just buying it because you think there might be a chance that we'll use it at some point, let's not do that. Let's not, you know, create clutter in the garage. We had we had items in our garage of our last house when we, we moved. I'm like, yeah, this thing was from like an estate sale two years ago. And I told her, I told her she was never going to find a spot for this thing. She wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> um, but... I mean, it wasn't one car load. I had to call my son to bring his vehicle over to get the rest of what I couldn't fit into my car. Now, nothing was super expensive, fortunately, because I thought it was. When I walked into this building, I'm like, oh, my God, what are, you know. But there, were, there, are, people that, there are people that live for these things. Like, this is a major Sunday activity. You know, going to estate sales, uh, have at it. And I have to say, there were a couple of things that she got that are already up in, in, in the house that we're in now, and they totally work. Um, but there are a couple of things also in the garage. And my bet is they'll never leave the garage until we move the, move and sell that house. Yeah. But estate <laughs> sales, I, nothing more boring. Beautiful Sunday. Okay. And I'm at an estate sale. Well, you know, you're you're you're, you're you got to serve somebody. You served your wife. I think I would have been better off at a thrift shop. May have gotten something yeah, something probably. for me. All right, what are we doing here? What, what, so buy two of everything is the message. To, yes. If you find something you really like, buy two of it. Um, I yes, my, absolutely. My computer bogged down this morning and borderline crashed. I've saved it. Tom said I should have should have had a laptop next to me, and there was a time in which I brought laptops everywhere I went, uh, but I don't anymore. Um, so because uh, I've got two desktops in this studio, um, as you know, at the two different workstations uh, or recording uh, areas, so usually I'm okay. Um, I saw Top Gun Maverick on Saturday night. You haven't seen it yet. No, I have not. I, I've read the reviews, the tremendous reviews. So did you like the original Top Gun? I mean, it's very rare that you get, you know, a sequel, um, you know, 36 years after the original. I mean, that's pretty rare, obviously. Did you like the original Top Gun? You know, I, I was okay, but I recognize that for a generation of men, uh, who were not men at the time it came out? Yeah, it was a seminal movie. It, it, it's a movie that, in their minds, you know, defines their image of of, of uh, movie stars. Um, so I mean, I, I like like it, in the seventies. You know, we had The Godfather and Chinatown and things like that. I think for a generation, when did Top Gun come out in the eighties? Yeah, nineteen eighty six. Okay, I think for that generation. That was an important movie to young boys growing up. Uh, so it didn't have that impact on me, but it was okay. 
It's interesting because your your take. I played golf with Tony on Sunday morning, and I said I went to see the movie, and he said, "Really?" And he said, "Ann Hornaday was on with me, and she said it's great." And I was surprised. He goes, "I didn't even think that the first movie was very good," and I and I said, "Really?" Because I think the first movie was great. And I think maybe, you know, we're just, you know, barely off. Like the the movies for you of the 1970s. Now, look, there are some 1970s movies that I love too. But I kind of love them after the fact, not in real time, like you did. I mean, I can tell you this. The movie of the 70s for me is Jaws. You know, that's when I was uh, of the age of being dropped off at the movie theater. I've already told you this story. My friends and I, you know, would walk up to Jennifer Cinema, and there was a bank on the second floor. We walked in through the bank, and we walked right into the movie theater. They hadn't figured out that kids were sneaking in through the movie theater through the bank. <laughs> and so I think I saw Jaws and Bad News Bears like probably a dozen times each. But, you know, for you, like Godfather and, you know, all of the legendary 70s movies, you saw them in real time. Yeah. And, and Top Gun was a big, you know, I don't know if it was a seminal moment, but it was a, it was a very good. Look, in many ways, I think Risky Business was a big time 80s movie. You know, um, it's, and it was Cruz's first movie. Um, yes. It was his. And I have to admit, well, it was first first big movie. Yeah. He was in a he was in a movie called Losing It before that with Shelley Long about a group of teenagers that go to Mexico, uh, which wasn't very good. Right. Uh, but I liked Risky Business when it came out. Yeah, it was a good. lot more than I did Top Gun. Rebecca yeah. D. Mornay. Um, yes. So anyway, I loved it. I, by the way, had no expectations. I had not been reading about this movie. Kara had been. She's like, we're going to go see the movie. And she wanted to see it. And she said, the, the, she's telling me as we're driving over there, she's like, the reviews have been phenomenal. I hadn't heard or read really anything about the movie. First of all, I was really, uh, I don't know, it was, um, it was nice to see a packed movie theater. And I saw it at the IMAX theaters in Georgetown, you know, right on K Street, and it was packed, packed on Saturday night, which I guess was night two of the uh, uh, of the movie. And um, Tommy, it was phenomenal. It was a great movie, and I'm I'm reading this morning, early this morning, about just the numbers it did in the first weekend. I mean, all-time numbers. I mean, there are only a few movies that have ever had an opening weekend like this. And this is Cruz's, um, you know, uh, biggest opening Memorial Day weekend ever for him in, in one of his movies. I thought it was so well done. I thought he was great. You know, he's 59 years old. He's about to turn 60 years old. And he does—he does all his own stunts. He's a still. pilot. I mean, he's a remarkable—he's a remarkable actor. He's just a remarkable actor who kind of gets lost in the shuffle because a he's been so prolific in so many movies, uh, and b uh, he's kind of a little bit wacko. But they're all wacko. Yeah, they so, are. You but... know, I don't—I don't hold that against them. But do you you really think he gets lost in the conversation of the great actors of of the last you know let's just call it you know forty years because you know risky business a, is probably forty years between, old. Difference between great movie stars and great actors. I don't think he's ever been not considered to be a great movie star. Right. 
but I think he's a great actor. I mean, I think Born on the Fourth of July was a remarkable performance by him. Uh, and I think Rain Man, he was, he was terrific in Rain Man. And his little, his little uh, piece that he did in Tropic Thunder was just absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm a Cruise fan. Yeah. You know? Uh, but uh, I just think we kind of take him for granted because he's always there. I mean, the Mission Impossible. How many have they made? The Mission Seven? Impossible movies are phenomenal. I, I yeah. Uh, you know, you 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 brought up a really good movie. I think he was great in Rain Man. I mean, I think he was great in A Few Good Men, which you know is one of those movies yeah. that keeps getting played over and over and over again. I think he was really good in Jerry Maguire. Like I'm just thinking of of, yeah. of the movies that I liked. Um, the Firm, I loved them in The Firm. The Firm was well. The yeah, I mean, you and I figured out that we were both you know um, in the same right. place at the same time, which is crazy. Right. But I I um I thought The Firm was a good movie. I still think that a Pelican the Pelican Brief is the best of the of, of his books um, that became movies. But like, uh, like I'm just pulling up his movie list now just to see. He's, yeah, I mean the Mission Impossible movies are excellent. Um, the Color of Money, Tommy, he was great in that. Yes, uh, yes, and and talk about, um, talk about a sequel that comes so far. He wasn't in the original, obviously. That was 1961, The Hustler. But The Color of Money came out in when 86 or 85. 80, 86. Yeah, I mean, the original was made in, in in 61 with Paul Newman. Newman was in the sequel. But yeah, Tom Cruise was great as Vin, Vincent, I think his name was. All, in, all, all in the right the, moves. Uh, all the right moves. A great football movie. Great Terrific. football movie. Yes. Um, he was great. And he, he's, oh, look, he, 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 I mean, you know, he's got the whole Scientology thing going yeah, on that turns some people off. Uh, but as far as his work... I think he's right up there. I mean, and and longevity counts. Look, and to be able to be at the top of your game this long for this long means a lot because a lot of these actors burn out. You know. So the day that the, we went Saturday night during the day, have you seen American Made? Yeah, it was okay. Oh, see, you know that's a, that's a true that's it. a true story, you know, about Barry Seal. I know who was a pilot who ended up running drugs and then running drugs. yeah running drugs to the Medellin cartel, you know, in the early days of Pablo Escobar, and then started running guns to the Contras, you know, and then yeah. was eventually assassinated. But um, I thought I thought he was excellent in that movie. But anyway, let me just get back to Maverick. So um, Top Gun Maverick. It was really, it was a great movie. It is, you know, action-packed, but also, you know, there is a love story. There's an emotional twist with, you know, remember Goose, who was his, you know, best friend and who, you know, unfortunately he couldn't eject from the plane. Um, and he's lived with that his whole life. And then Goose's son is in the movie. I'm not going to spoil it at all. And um, Miles Teller plays him. Miles Teller was in that movie War Dogs, which was really good. Um, and then Jennifer Connelly in this movie. Oh, my God. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Is she as hot as Kelly McGee? 
Oh, I was never a big Kelly McGillis fan to begin with. And by the way, poor Kelly McGillis. I don't know if you've seen pictures oh, of her. I know. Yes, I mean, I it's really. It's better, we better, we're better off not discussing that. Yeah, it's it, it's not surprising that she was not in the in the remake um, 36 years no. later. Jennifer Connelly, who I have always thought was beautiful and underrated. Like, I thought she was incredible in A Beautiful Mind um, with Russell Crowe, which was a great movie. Uh, the movie that every once in a while I will I will quote from The Dilemma with Vince Vaughn and Kevin James. She was great in. That movie is very underrated, funny. Winona Ryder's in it. Channing Tatum's in it. Um, Channing Tatum uh, comes in. The, um, the intervention scene from The Dilemma is one of my favorite scenes of any movie of all time. Of course, it's gambling-centric, um, but she was great in that. And I don't know, maybe it's me. But I kind of feel like she's gone away and that there hasn't been a lot of Jennifer Connelly in anything in recent years. And somebody will probably tell me, dude, she won an award for something three years ago. Fine. I'm just telling you, I haven't seen her in anything. She's 51 years old um, and she looks great and she was great in this movie. And I would imagine that it is like a resuscitation event for her uh, professionally. If, if I'm right and she hasn't been doing anything recently, I'm looking at her, you know, her, her recent movies. I'm not familiar with many of them. I didn't see American Pastoral. Was that good? I, I think, didn't see it. I think that was a big movie a few years ago. Um, but anyway, she was phenomenal. Val Kilmer's in the movie, although briefly in the movie. Uh, and um, and John Hamm's in the movie. It, it was It was... Excellent. Recommend it. You know, I, I'm, I was surprised. Maybe it was that I had no expectations going in, but I loved it. And when it eventually comes out and it's available, I'll watch it again for sure. It'll be one of those movies that for years to come, Ed Harris, by the way, is in it too. Um, it'll be one of those movies that for years you probably, when it's on, you'll, you'll watch it. It was that good of a story, good storyline, great acting. Cruz was great. Everybody was great in it. it God, man, it killed well, I'm probably not going to go... I'm probably not going to go see it in the movie theater, but I'll, I'll look forward to seeing it when it shows up on my on my screen at home. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Speaking of the movie theater, yeah. did you have any nervousness about COVID? You know, every time you've asked me this over two years now, I, I knock on wood before I say it because I don't want to be the guy that says I haven't really... I've done everything everybody's asked me to do, but I don't think for one minute I've ever sweated it during these two years. And I don't want to be the guy that says that and then, you know, comes down with a really bad case of it. I'm, yeah, I'm vaccinated. Yeah. I'm boosted. I'm probably due for the fourth Pfizer shot. I think I am but, based on when I got the you booster. Didn't, you, didn't cons- you didn't consider it in a packed movie theater? Not I'm e- not criticizing you. Not even for, a, se- not you. Even for a second. I, I, I actually. And the only reason I'm asking you <clears throat> yeah. is because uh, one of my buddies who I went on the Hall of Fame trip with last week right. tested positive for COVID over the weekend. <laughs> okay. Well, you probably so, had. Did you, did you get a, a rapid test at least? Uh, I tested this morning. Okay. Rapid? Uh, well, the ones that you get at home, yeah. So was it negative? And. Negative. It was negative. Yeah. Okay. You would have told I have me. No it was symptoms. Positive. It was negative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you could have. You could have. And, and he. You could have it and have and no symptoms. And he thinks he actually got. He actually he actually thinks he got it 
Thursday afternoon after we I, we left, he went to a funeral service Thursday afternoon. Okay. And there's somebody out. His brother went to the funeral service as well, and he has it. So that's where he probably thinks he contracted it. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I took a COVID test today the first time, and I don't remember how long, uh, and it tested negative. You know, so, I, I... And it, 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 in a packed movie theater, it would still bother me. In a movie theater with... 30 people in it, I wouldn't think twice about it. You mean it. like when you used to go to the movies after our show was over by yourself? Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing like going to a movie in the middle of the day. You and it Andy. It feels like you're stealing something. You and Andy used to talk about how great it was to just go to a movie in the middle of the day, and you'd be like the only person I mean, the, in the, the theater. I've done that I before. I used to love that. The sun be shining outside. You go inside this this like this this shelter and the world could be ending outside and you wouldn't have a clue <laughs> and then all of a sudden you walk out and there's the world again yeah i love to do that i haven't done that in a long time um are you kind of surprised let me just say the only thing that occurred to me in the movie theater when we got done and we got up and i realized how crowded the theater was really when the movie was over more so than when it started because we got in there well before. I mean, we got in there even before the previews started, and the previews were great. Um, there's some good movies that w w it would appear are coming out. Um, but um, I, it was when the movie was over. And by the way, there was a not a standing ovation, but there was a lot of you know clapping. Like you could tell this one was a home run for just about everybody um, in the uh, yeah. in, in it. And um, and uh, anyway, uh, that's when I realized it was crowded. And I and I I, I thought the, the thing that occurred to me was I think this is great that people feel totally comfortable now, and we're you know this th that that would be one of those signs that things are ba you know totally back to normal. Although I think people have basically been living you know their normal lives for you know almost a year now, if not longer, or most most people have not yeah. everybody. Um, yeah. But anyway, all right, you know, we have some sports stuff to talk about. I, I Chase Young was at OTAs today. Apparently he's going to be made available to the to the uh, media tomorrow. Um, I also want to tell you about a conversation I had on radio this morning with the appropriations chair in Maryland. Um, and I think that the FedEx field site, in terms of what's being planned for that site, are a lot different than most people think. So I want to get to that. I also want to weigh in on what I thought were two incredibly exciting and compelling NBA playoff games over the weekend, including, Tommy, one of the best performances, honestly, I think I've ever seen on Friday night from Jimmy Butler. So we'll get to that and, and, and you know, a little bit more uh, when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, the OTAs are starting out in Ashburn, uh, Tommy, today. The second set of OTAs. Chase Young is there, uh, and Montez Sweat, per Ben Standig, is also there. Now, Chase Young is, of course, not going to participate in any on-field work. He's still recovering from his ACL tear. Montez Sweat, who Ron Rivera, after the first day of OTAs uh, last week, said, yeah, Montez will likely be here tomorrow, but he didn't show up at all last week. Um, But they're both there. Um, What do you think about Chase Young showing up for his first OTA day? Well, at least he he didn't make his coach look like a complete idiot and not show up again. I mean, since Ron Rivera in the the offseason kind of made it a big deal, you know, which we had said all along about his absence last year. And uh, he referred to this wake-up call, a bit of an awakening, uh, as, as he referred to it as Chase's struggles last year. Uh, so I, at least he didn't make his coach look like an idiot by not showing up again this year. And it's good that he showed up. I mean, it, it's important for the – I think it was very important for Ron Rivera that these guys show up. If they, if they stiffed them again, then he would – and he would have looked like a fool. You know what? That's honestly the best point that's been made. Um, I, I, the, the news broke right at the end of the show, uh, or like in the eight o'clock hour, and I just said, you know, it's good that he's there. Like this, he should have been there last year. He shouldn't have been the only one out of ninety. I know they're voluntary. You know, stop t- t- tweeting me about voluntary and making a big deal out of nothing. I'm not actually making a big deal out of it. But if he is a true team captain and he missed last year and then had a shitty season before he got injured. Um, then he should be there this year, even it's even if it's just symbolic because he's not participating. But yes. your point is the best one because if he stiffed his coach, even if he didn't know it, which of course he would have, somebody should have told him that his coach pretty much implied that Chase Young would, would you know understood it and would would be there this year. If he stiffed his coach for nine straight OTA days or six, if they cancel the last three, it would have made Rivera look like a total fool, total fool. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. He, so it's good that he's there. Yeah. It's good for the coach. It, it's it's it, for something that doesn't matter. Him showing up mattered. I agree. Um. You know, meantime, I wanted to, to mention um, that I think this conversation slash interview that I did this morning on radio at 8 a.m., so it would be on the, in the third hour, you can find it on the Team980.com or the Odyssey app, with this guy Ben Barnes, who is the 
um, is the uh, chair of the Appropriations Committee for the state of Maryland. The, the Appropriations Committee is, is essentially the committee that handles things like new stadiums. Uh, so he's really right. the guy in Maryland. And I had him on the show this morning because I kind of felt like we've been so dialed in on the Virginia thing. And the Virginia thing may not pass tomorrow if it gets voted on at all uh, tomorrow. There certainly seems to be momentum in the direction of it's not going to – Virginia's not going to um, approve the roughly $300 million, which might be less than $300 million now – um, for Snyder's new stadium in Woodbridge or Dumfries or, you know, Loudoun County, Fairfax County, wherever. And so the momentum, you know, for Virginia's kind of been dying. And it's like, okay, what you've said all along, it's going to be built in Landover, right, on the same site, on the land that Snyder owns. It's 200 acres, by the way, I found out this morning. 200 acres he owns inside the Beltway. You know, that I don't care where inside the Beltway it is. That's valuable land. Um, and so... I had the guy on to kind of give the Maryland perspective. First of all, big picture, they want the stadium there. Now, they're not going to give him any money for the stadium, but the $400 million that you know Hogan and the state have committed towards infrastructure isn't nothing. And that's what this guy really wanted to get across. He's like, look, there are, two, there are multiple things going on at that location. He said, we have a major real estate investment company that is, that is investing a billion dollars in a project at, at, at that you know, location, in the Landover Largo uh, location. And it's the same builder that built one Loudoun you know, out in Loudoun County, which is, you know, a huge area of bars and restaurants and retail. And they're going to do the same thing there. And he said, we're doing that with or without the stadium. They're, they're going right. to this project. The money is not necessarily tied to what the commanders are going to do. Exactly. They're, they're doing this project, you know, first of all, it's not a billion dollars from the state, it's a billion dollars from a developmental uh, company. They're building something, you know, that's going to, to, to be, you know, similar to one Loudoun out in Loudoun County. And so the area is going to be transformed to begin with, whether it's with the stadium there or not. Secondly, a lot of their $400 is going to all the infrastructure to make it easy to get in and get out of this new development, you know, developed area, which, by the way, also already includes a huge hospital. And there's going to be, be a huge cancer ward and research center out there. They're, they're transforming this entire area. And he just said it, it's going to be the perfect place for a stadium. He's like, what are we talking about here? You're inside the Beltway. You're seven miles from downtown Washington versus Woodbridge where, you know, he's going to build his own city. You know, as you said, good luck with that. I mean, he can't even keep a beer sponsor. So um, I think people have had this vision of like FedEx 2.0 being, they're just going to slap a stadium next to the existing one and it's going to have the same issues. But that's not what this guy said. He said, the development that's going to go on there, you're going to get off the metro or you're going to park your car and you're going to walk down, you know, you're going to walk three quarters of a mile, maybe a little bit less down a boulevard of, of bars and restaurants. And he made the point, he said, if the walk is nice and it's what it's going to be, you know, six, seven years from now, people won't mind that they're walking. You know, he said, by the way, the new stadium would be closer to two metro uh, stops now on the blue line. 
And he said, you know, you're talking about a three-quarters of a mile walk, but there'd probably be a lot of stopping along the way. And then, you know, on the way home as well. And he said they're going to build, you know, uh, ways in and out of that area that are going to be far different than they've been. You know, he he acknowledged that it was a disaster what they did 30 years ago. Um, But he said, I said, you know, so the state of Maryland wants it. And he said, yeah, we want it. We definitely want it. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with everything you said. And the important thing is that money is is earmarked for this project, whether their stadium is going there or not. That's right. They're not giving a dime to to Snyder. That's a big difference. That's a big difference from Virginia, uh, where the stadium is the linchpin of this whole project that they're talking about in Virginia. Uh, so that, that's that's a, a big difference right there. By the way, uh, you know, and you talk about the walk. I've always said that if there's a way to to shorten that walk from from the from the metro stop or to create a people mover or something like that. But he's right about if you make that walk an attractive one filled with shops and restaurants and bars. I was in Nashville this summer. Uh, I was in Nashville in March. And, uh, you know, you you can walk down Broadway, yeah. their main street, then you have to cross over a bridge yeah. uh, that's now a pedestrian bridge, and then the stadium is on the other side of the river. Right, right before it's the probably river. from the top of Broadway, it's probably an equal walk. But it didn't seem like a long walk. It seemed like a great thing. It seemed like, man, you're walking down the street. There's people everywhere. You know, you stop to have a beer here. You walk a little bit more. And, yeah, it just seemed like a normal thing as opposed to walking through neighborhoods, one neighborhood after another, uh, to get to the metro stop. So I think he's got some good points. Yeah, and I think it's also instructive to know that Maryland does want the stadium there, you know, and that's the only spot because if he's not getting a dime for the stadium, he doesn't he's going to use the land that he owns to build the stadium. Right. You know, he's got 200 acres there. He also made the point that the 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 uh the land that he has is plenty big enough to support the building of a new stadium and playing in the old stadium simultaneously. That you know, it's not like they're going to have to go. They're they're going to have to go yes, play somewhere else. Absolutely, they're building it south of where the stadium is. He said basically, it's kind. Of, it's like in the direction of Exit 16, Arena Drive. So it's in that direction. He said it puts it closer to Metro stops. All the retail the development will be up around it, and it'll be it'll be nice. Now, in thinking about this, and I have talked to a couple of people here and there um, since uh, late last week, anyway. If the, if the momentum uh, for Virginia not to pass this thing or not to vote on it is correct, and Virginia isn't going to give Snyder one penny, well, Virginia's dead. You know, because, of course, Dan could always spend his own money for a Virginia stadium, but if he's going to do that, he might as well wait until D.C. You know, is able to buy the land from the federal government and say, you don't have to spend a dollar, I'll build it. If he's going to use his own money, he'll want to use it. he'll try to use it in D.C., I mean, of course, because like you said, and it's, let me, let me, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, as you said, the league isn't going to let him build a stadium in Woodbridge or Dumfries. You know, this isn't Santa Clara. This isn't Silicon Valley down there. 
I mean, come on. Um, it, it's it, it's it's not. They're not going to let them build it down there. More likely than not, you know, the Loudoun County, Fairfax County location off the Silver Line is probably a better bet, but more expensive. My point is, if he's gonna, if he's forced to spend all of his money on the new stadium that he doesn't get a cent from Virginia, Maryland for for the stadium or DC. Why wouldn't he just wait it out a little bit longer to see if something breaks in D.C.? I'm not saying it will, but why wouldn't he, if he's going to spend his money, his preference would be to spend it in D.C., and that's where the league would want it too. What were you going to say? Well, the risk that people don't seem to understand that I've voiced numerous times, and I know you're aware of it, is despite, I mean, the hurdle of getting the land in D.C. and all that, an equally big hurdle is getting the neighborhood to agree to it. Right. Okay. I've been to ANC meetings, advisory neighborhood committee meetings in, in the RFK area. They do not want a stadium there, those people. And, and the people who sit on those boards, you check, check the, the members who sit on these boards. They're government officials. They're lawyers. They're lobbyists. Again, I know I'm repeating myself, but they know how to fight something like this, and right. they will fight it. They, they have made it clear they want that land for parks and recreation. They do not need, in their mind, a stadium in their neighborhood, and that is a huge hurdle that everyone underestimates. I mean, events, that's what stopped Cook from getting the stadium in Virginia, in Potomac Yards. He had the governor behind it. He had the government behind it, and... You know, the, the local officials in Potomac Yards, the people there say, uh-uh, no way. That's, that's not coming here. It's, it's a huge part of this process. Even in Virginia, even in Dumfries, you'll find that you'll find significant opposition from the not-in-my-backyard movement. Well, who the hell wants a stadium in their, in their neighborhood? Anywhere. Right. Right. So why not put... So you put it in a place where, like they did with the Giants and the Eagles, where they're already used to dealing with the stadium right next to the old one. It makes sense on a lot of levels. The only way it doesn't make sense is the proximity to Metro. And if this plan reduces that distance and makes that, that, that trip more attractive, then you've solved that problem. Because you're right, it's only seven miles away from the district. Yeah, and... I I don't know. I, I think there's great – I know they – look, they've told me the demographics, the booming population, the booming growth of Prince William County. Look, my perspective is a Marylander's perspective or a D.C. resident now perspective. Um, and, you know, living in close – and I've always lived in close, whether it's been an immediate suburb or in the city itself. You know, I don't have long commutes. Um and I don't want a long commute anywhere. Uh, but, you know, this isn't for me anyway. I'm, I'm speaking as if I'm going to go to games in, in 2028. I've already said before, I don't even know if I'm going to like the team in 2028. But the point is, is that there's great risk of really losing everybody that is still hanging in there. If you move to Dumfries or Woodbridge, look, the Loudon Fairfax location 
off the silver line is much more palatable, I think, for not only uh, Maryland people and D.C. people, but Northern Virginia people who don't want to drive. You know, people who live in McLean and Tysons and and going west, you know, out 66, they don't want to go to Woodbridge or Dumfries either. So I, I just... I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think I put up a poll this morning because we do it every once in a while on the show. Right now, if you're handicapping it, where's the stadium, stadium eventually going to be built? Maryland, Virginia, or D.C.? You know, 1,600 votes in, 48.4% think Maryland, 36.2% uh, think Virginia, and then 15.4% D.C. I think it's going to be in Maryland. I think it's going to be at that site. And I think when they get it done, based on what this gentleman told me this morning, it's not going to be nearly what everybody thought it was going to be or, you know, envisions it being. I think he did a really good job of describing like a totally different feel to the stadium being put right next to the old one. I, I I think you're probably right. I, I think you're probably right. I mean, it's a long time between now and then. A lot of things can go wrong in developing a project like this. But the vision, I think, is a good one. One thing about Virginia that I don't get, and maybe I'm old-fashioned, and this kind of stuff doesn't matter anymore in this day and age of politics, but how can you as a state legislature, legislator, Give $300 million to a business that's under investigation for financial improprieties by the Virginia Attorney General. I think that's the issue. They, they're realizing that they How can't. Can, yeah, you, you can't do that. I mean, they're under investigation by the, the state's law firm, and you're going to give them money? You have to let that investigation play out. Yeah. You have to get a resolution on that. Either a clean bill of health or that there's something here. Something else about the new stadium that you and I didn't talk about last week. I'm pretty sure we didn't talk about it. So, you know, all of the artists, you know, drawings and renderings of what, you know, everything's going to look like. And they clearly want this vote in Virginia to go their way so that they have options. And, And by the way, maybe a little bit more leverage against Maryland, who clearly wants the stadium, but hasn't, you know, committed one dime to the building of the state stadium. Just what they've committed through $400 million, which is getting committed with or without the stadium being there. But, you know, the stadium size um, is 60,000 dome stadium, which, by the way, I think in this day and age makes total sense. I think it could be even smaller. But 60,000 is, you know, basically two-thirds the size of what it was at its capacity, highest capacity, in like the early to late 2000s when it, when it was over 90. You know, and by the way, they yes. were selling out a lot of those games. And then, you know, yes, they were. Um, this the the last twelve years has really been the decline, and then the last five to six, it's been a disaster. But um, sixty thousand seems right to me. I think unless you're the Cowboys with the Cowboys brand, you know that that this is what makes sense. But you know what? It doesn't allow you to get unless it's expandable. And I was told that it's not expandable. The plans are not for the stadium to be expandable. Is it doesn't get you a Super Bowl? And, no, it doesn't. And almost no, it doesn't. Like, I'll give you a Lucas Oil Field has a sixty-five thousand, but it's expandable. Capacity, but they can expand. Exactly. Yes, they can expand. So, no, it doesn't allow you to do that. Although the days of, of of winter Super Bowls may be over. Who knows? Winter City Super Bowl. Well, the New York thing I pointed out. Uh, we've we've talked about this before. Um, 
they got lucky with that Seattle-Denver Super Bowl because it was 48 degrees and cloudy, and the next day they had a foot of snow. So they were 24 hours away from it being a disaster. You know, that was the first open-air cold-weather city attempt. And there was discussion about, you know, D.C. eventually with a new stadium. If it's open air, maybe they'll get one. But the fact that they're, you know, going to build a domed 60,000-seat stadium, I think, you know, there are probably a couple of things at work. I heard it wasn't expandable. Somebody told me that. So I'm going with that as fact for right now, which would mean no Super Bowl in D.C. It would also mean, you know, you don't get, you know, big, uh, big events like the WWE, like wrestling events. And you don't get um, not that the World Cup is going to come back anytime soon after it's here. Well, when is it here? Uh, it's it's this year. Is it 2026 or is there another one in 2024? Because Cutter was cut back two years. I forget what the deal is with the World Cup, but it wouldn't allow you to get something like that. Um, it might allow you to get a Final Four, and certainly conventions and concerts it, it'd be perfect for. Um, you know, uh, By the way, this guy was discussing like an outdoor amphitheater as well that would be part of what they're developing You know, in that Landover uh, area. That could be like you know right next door to the stadium. But um, yeah, uh, I just wanted to point out that 60,000 not expandable means, you know, basically they'd be one of the first new stadiums to be built not to get, to be earmarked for a Super Bowl. Yeah, and that might be uh, that might be a little bit foolish not to have that option. Yeah. You know? Uh, one last thing, um, Skins related. Um, so... Um, We've talked about this a couple of times in the last few weeks where Jack Del Rio initially, you know, talked about the um, the discussion about the phase two of the offseason program a year ago where he didn't have some of his secondary guys and that really got him off to a really slow start and essentially, you know, created the excuse for the pass defense being lousy last year as a couple of guys not showing up for like voluntary phase two. It's not even the OTAs activities. And it just seems like a major reach. And then Ron Rivera last week also said the same thing. Our guys are talking. Did you hear him chatting? This is much different than last year because we didn't have him here. It just, I want to emphasize something that I don't think I've emphasized enough. It's remarkable to me that they expect us to believe that the defense sucked last year because Bobby McCain and William Jackson didn't show up for a couple of off-season phase two activities, and yet they didn't say anything about Chase Young, who missed every single phase three OTA last year and and played shitty. It's like they don't want to piss him off. And so uh, William Jackson was interviewed by the team's website. Zach Selby um, writes for the team's website. And, you know, he said, uh, you know, William Jackson was talking about next year. And he's like, we're supposed to be good. We've got every tool at every position you can think of. Um, We're definitely going to do better this year. We're communicating better. I'm glad we're here because last year it was virtual. So Del Rio is actually referring to an off-season activity that these guys didn't post for that was virtual. And that's supposedly the root cause of why the defense was awful last year? Really? I, I That seems like a major stretch. I guess my overarching point here would be is stop. Last year's last year. You sucked on defense last year. 
And by the way, your rookie of the year team captain was not very good. And if your defense, if your pass defense was so lousy, I bet the lack of a pass rush had something to do with it. And so just focus on a much better year next year. Stop making excuses and stop telling us that, you know, last year we weren't very good because of this, because what you've done is now raise the expectation level of it should be great this year because everybody's here in the offseason stuff in your secondary. And they're communicating so well. And they're chatting. And can't you hear them out there? They all know where they're supposed to be. I'm not saying he's wrong, that that wasn't a big part of it. I'm just like, why... Why talk about that? Why tell us that it had something to do with virtual off-season voluntary meetings in which a couple of members of your secondary who were new didn't show up? I mean, I understand that last year your, your defensive front had all been together, so maybe there wasn't as much communication stuff that they needed to get together. I will tell you this, it makes it really important that everybody is, you know, that, that it kind of makes it important that Terry McLaurin's not there right now working with his new quarterback on offense, but I don't think Terry McLaurin needs to be there, and I totally understand why he's not there. But I'll tell you what, he, he should be there at the beginning of training camp because he's got a new quarterback, and the new quarterback is essentially going to create a referendum on Ron Rivera. That's what I, des- I decided this yeah. morning. That Carson Wentz yeah. is the biggest, you know, unknown and burning question without an answer. But really, what his performance is is a referendum on Ron Rivera as a as the lead person in this organization from a roster standpoint and a coaching standpoint. It, it, Wentz better play well for Rivera's sake, and I'm not saying Rivera think, would get fired. I think you're right. I'm because, yeah. because I don't know if that would happen at all. But I'm just saying they put all of their eggs into the Carson Wentz basket, so. This is about whether or not they are right or wrong on this because they screwed up their first-round pick from a year ago, it would appear. That might be early on Jamin Davis, but they have all their eggs in this offensive basket with this quarterback. They have surrounded him with all the toys he should need to be great. Let's finish up with a couple of other topics, including I want to to talk about the NBA games. I'm sure you've got something else. We'll get to all that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, Tommy, the NBA playoffs have not been great. Lots of blowouts. That's pretty pretty much been what's marked the NBA playoffs. But, God, Friday night. I'm assuming you didn't watch Friday night or Sunday night. Am I right about that? You'd be right about that. It's a shame because Jimmy Butler would be one of your favorite players in the league. 
and the. Per- I mean, I've seen Jimmy Butler play. He is. I, I. I mean, I love Jimmy Butler. I'll grant you all that. The performance on Friday night with the Heat down three games to two, playing in what was an amped up Boston Garden, looking for their first Finals trip in you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen years, whatever it's been. And Jimmy Butler went in there on basically, you know, two hobbled knees. And he put up 47 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, had four steals and a block shot. It's one of the greatest individual performances in in an elimination game that I've ever seen. You know, Legler is my guy on this stuff. I love talking to him. I love watching him. He's on with Scott after the game. He said it was reminiscent of LeBron's performance against the Celtics in 2012. Remember at the time, LeBron had not gotten, you know, uh, hadn't had a big game. The previous year they had lost to the Mavericks in the finals when he was hiding in corners in games three and four. And that was, you know, a, a real important performance in his career. And he's had lots of them like that since. Jimmy Butler went into the Boston Garden, and at the t- at the opening tip of this game, you thought there was no chance that Miami had no chance. They were an, an eight and a half, nine point underdog. They had been slaughtered in Game Five. They were injured, and he put up forty seven. And it was, you know, this is such an older person's description because I kind of think that this is the way we used to describe guys that scored a lot, but you really didn't, you know, it wasn't explosive scoring, that it's a quiet 47. You know, it's like, really? He had 47 points? He was just brilliant. He was the best defender on the court in that game. He was the best facilitator on the court in that game. He made every correct play, and he was obviously the best scorer in that game on Friday night. It is one of the great performances in NBA history in the postseason. And I know we get carried away with in-the-moment stuff, and last year Durant had a couple of games against uh, against Milwaukee that were off the charts. And Kawhi Leonard in, his cl- in, in, in an elimination game against the Mavericks last year uh, had an unbelievable 46 or 47-point night. But what Butler did on both ends, I, I don't. It, it, it's rarely, rarely been done. He was the best defensive player on the floor. He was the best facilitator on the floor, meaning making the right plays and setting things up for his teammates. And he was the best scorer. He didn't put up 45 shots. He didn't shoot 15 threes. He was 16 of 29 from the floor. Four for four for eight from behind the arc, and and eleven of eleven from the free throw line. It was just couldn't take your eyes off this. If you're a sports fan or certainly a basketball fan, it was that great. With that said, when that game was over, I'm like, they have no chance to win Sunday night. That's all they've got to give. Kyle Lowry played a really good game uh, for Miami on Friday night. You know, at 36 years old, and you could tell that they were just spent physically. And Boston's a better team. I think they might be a better team than Golden State. We'll get to that in a moment. Game 7, they Boston's controlling this game all night long at Miami and they're up 13 with th- just over 3 minutes to go. And somehow the Heat whittled that down and Jimmy Butler had a wide open 3 with 9 seconds to go in transition to give Miami the lead. And there was a lot of back and forth as to whether or not he should have driven the ball to the bucket because it was Horford backing up. And Butler stopped behind the three-point line, fired a three to give him the lead. 
uh, and it just missed. It was just short, and they ended up losing by four. I had no problem at all with that shot attempt. I think in many ways, not that he was thinking about this in the moment, but they looked exhausted, like overtime would have been a killer for them. Um, and even though they had the momentum there, and it was remarkable that they had a chance to take the lead after being down 13 with just over three minutes to go, he ended up with 35 in the final. Missed that three. If that three goes in and he goes for 47 and 38 in back-to-back elimination games, it's right up there with probably the greatest we've ever seen in the NBA postseason, not counting not counting the ridiculous numbers that like Will Chamberlain put up, but he had 30, right. 35 on Sunday night. And if that three goes down and he ends up with 47 and 38, he ends up with 85 points in two elimination games, uh, all timer. And he was great on Sunday night, but they just ran out of gas and Boston's in the finals against Golden State, which I think is really what the NBA probably wants. I think the heat would have been destroyed by Golden State. But you missed, you know, two incredible Jimmy Butler performances. I hope he stays in Miami. He's moved around too much. He's a free agent, I think. I hope he stays there. Who do you like in the finals? Are are you going to pay attention to the finals? Yeah, I'll pay attention to the finals. I mean, it's hard not to like Golden State, uh, you know, with, uh, with, you know, they they keep those three guys, uh, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and – Draymond Green intact. It's just remarkable that they do that. And I guess Andrew Wiggins has become some kind of force now. Yeah, he really has. Uh, under the basket. Yeah. So here's the thing, remarkable stat I saw. The Golden State Warriors have grossed nearly $72 million from the box office during the NBA playoffs so far. This That's year, before the finals. This year? Wow. This year. Wow. $72 million. I mean, I imagine Ted... I mean, what he what he must think? Seventy-two million—that's owner money. Yeah, it's all playoff that, money. That stays with the owner. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Oh, man. What is the what does that yeah. new arena hold? The Chase Center, which apparently is beautiful, is it twenty thousand? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Look, but uh, if ever a player had an impact on a franchise, it's Steph Curry because before he got there, they were the Wizards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had had more success. I mean, the Clippers were more the Wizards. But, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, what he no, did. No, for, for 20 years, yeah. for 20 years, they were the worst team in the league. But they had more support in Oakland than the, than, than the Wizards had here, I think. I think if yes, you go, they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. Um, I mean, they had a couple of teams over the years that were decent. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, it's funny because – I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think the NBA is just one of those leagues where you have to go through it before you can win it. We've seen that over long periods of time. You know, you Jordan had to keep losing to the Pistons, and then he finally got through the Pistons, and he had earned it. You know, Magic obviously was. You know, he also had Kareem on the team, um, but won it as a rookie, and Bird won it in his second year. Um, But then you had the Pistons, who kind of had to earn it by butting up against the Celtics over 
and over again. Um, and then, you know, you had some teams that never did get a chance to earn it during the, the, the Jordan era, obviously, in the 90s. But even a guy like Giannis, who won it last year, you know, he, he kept, you know, he kept getting knocked out when he was a favorite. And so I don't know that Jason Tatum is ready to win a title in his first series. I, I kind of think this is one of those sports where the NBA Finals are pretty big. And there's an experience factor that is really significant. And all of these warriors, the the big three, have played in a hell of a lot of NBA Finals games. So I like Golden State, I think, to win the series. But I'm saying that, and I believe Boston might be a better team. I just think that maybe the moment in their first go at it, you know, We've seen it over the years many, many times before. The first run at the finals usually doesn't, you know, it's a learning experience kind of a thing. You know, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, LeBron had to earn it in many ways, um, even though he got to the finals as a very young player, but they got swept by by the Spurs. But uh, Jason Tatum, Tommy, is a legit star. I mean, he is a legit top five-ish kind of player in this league. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And Steph Curry is Steph Curry. So, you know, those, those are the keys. I mean, um, I think Wiggins will, will play a big role. I think the Jordan pool lineup um, for golden state will be uh, important, but it's weird. I'm, I'm going to pick the, the warriors. My official pick is the warriors probably in seven. I think it could be a long entertaining series. I hope it is. I hope we don't get one blowout after another. Um, but it's weird because I think the Celtics are actually the better team and the deeper team. Uh, but should be a good NBA Finals, Golden State and Boston. Um, what else you got? Uh, the Nats had a good weekend until last night. They were almost 19-31 and 31 again. Night. I know. They almost did it, but then uh, Eric Fetty got destroyed by the Mets yesterday. He had six, six runs in one and a third innings, and it basically destroyed their bullpen. I mean, they're starting rotation. It's just stunning. I mean, how there's really they've got nobody. They've got nobody in their rotation. Corbin is the most expensive guy, and he and people get excited if he if he gets through six innings he's without, pitched better without getting blown up. I know he has, but still he hasn't pitched like a guy who got the money that that he that they paid him. Uh, they just they're just it. They, they've got such a dismal starting rotation and. Uh, you know, I know Strasburg pitched well down at Fredericksburg, but I mean, it's hard to have faith in a guy who's who's had such difficulty with injuries in the past and is coming back from an injury with such uncertainty as thoracic outlet uh, that that he, he's dealing with. So uh, it, it's going to be a rough year, uh, not the least of which uh, the team is still for sale by the learners, which places everything under a, a uncertainty. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention Maryland lacrosse won the national championship yesterday, beating Cornell nine to seven in the final in Hartford. Uh, I had the guy undefeated, ju- right? Undefeated 18 and zero. um, it is, uh, by all accounts, people that really know this say this may be the greatest team in the history of the sport. The, the first team to ever win 18 games without a loss in a season. They're 33-1 in the last two years. Uh, they lost to Virginia basically at the gun last year in the NCAA championship. Um, so they they win it all. 
I think somebody told me yesterday they have 12 All-Americans on their team. Is that even possible? Um, but apparently wow. this is like one of the all-time great lacrosse teams, and many people who really know the sport say they are. This is the the, the best team uh, ever. But, you know, they held on for dear life at the end. Cornell um, closed, I think, a 9-2 lead to 9-7, to but the, but the Terps win it. So congrats to, to them and to John Tillman. Um, and then Maryland baseball, Tommy, I didn't know this. Aaron told me this. Maryland baseball is ranked 15th in the country. They won the Big Ten. They're in the College World Series. And the University of Maryland is hosting one of these sub-regionals starting this weekend. Yes, they are. At Shipley Field. Yes, very cool. Yeah. um, Yeah, That's very cool. And let me point out that Catholic University, a D3 baseball program, is also going to the D3 World Series. Awesome. This year. That's great. Uh, after a tremendous year. So great college baseball being played in this area. And you can see great college baseball when the D.C. Grays start to play with their first home game June 8th at the National Youth Academy. Uh, free college baseball, I might want to point out. So. Um, I would like um, some D.C. Grays T-shirts, and I would like two of each if you can pull that off. <laughs> Oh, I know! I know our uh, merchandise director, uh, among the thousand of other duties he has, Chris Spira, is probably going to listen to this podcast at one point, so he will get that message. Well, Chris knows that, and I swear to God, this is true. And of course, if Chris, if you don't have any stuff, I don't need stuff. I did. I, I, I'm not a stuff guy, but you, um. Uh, over the years, I've gotten a couple of those T-shirts, you know, the D.C. Gray's T-shirts. And I think I also got kind of a long tee as well one year. And they are still in my closets. The bo- uh, one of my boys was in one the other day. There's one I wear all the time. They're super comfortable. And they look great. And they say D.C. on them. So they're really yes. good shirts. And so go to the D.C. Gray's website and buy some of their gear. It's actually great gear. Michael Phillips, by the way, from the Richmond Times-Dispatch just weighed in moments ago. Virginia Stadium Watch. No bill has been filed from the conference committee yet. That will need to happen ahead of tomorrow's session. An interesting few hours ahead. So what I understand is if it's not on – the um, uh, if that bill isn't uh, there to be voted on tomorrow, I guess there's like another session where it could be brought up. But the indication will be this thing's dead in the water. Even if there's another chance before next year to bring it back, that essentially it didn't make it to the session tomorrow because it wasn't going to be approved. So yeah. um, amazing. Three jurisdictions for this NFL franchise, and none of them. None of them want to spend one penny on Dan Snyder, nor should they. Uh, no. Maryland. No. I agree. All right. I wanted to share one thing before we leave. I wanted to talk about my experience this weekend. Okay. Uh, I went to the fights in D.C. Saturday night. It was my first time at the Entertainment and Sports Arena. Yeah. Good, good arena? Uh, and it's a nice arena. Yeah. There's, they need, they've got a lot of work to do around the arena, but I think they will at some point. And that's going to be a great area, and I really enjoyed the actual arena itself. I saw some good fights. Anthony Peterson uh, right. knocked his guy out in, in, in the sixth round uh, for his comeback fight, and they're going to have fights there again, I think, in August uh, on a 
the Saturday, August 6th, uh, for people who are interested. And uh, after the fights, I went to Shelly's to uh, have a smoke and a couple of beers. Your spot. And, uh, yes. And there was, uh, there was Robert Patrick, the actor who played T-1000, the, the villain in Terminator 2, and played Dave, the sporting goods store owner yeah, in, Sopranos. in The Sopranos. Yeah, among many, many other roles he's played. He was in, and, we, he was uh, in we Are Marshall. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he was the coach who, who died, right? Yeah. In the plane crash. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we hung out at Shelley's. He was in town to do the motorcycle ride that the riders do every Memorial Day. It used to be called Rolling Thunder. I forget what it's called now. Right. Uh, but uh, very nice guy. Uh, I had a great time with him. I even got my picture taken with him. Well, awesome. But this happens at Shelley's. I mean, Shelley's is a place where... Where you know celebrities are, are, are hang out, they know about like it. Todd Lavero. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if they're looking for a cigar bar, that's the spot in D.C. Certainly downtown. Yes. It's the only place. Yeah, in D.C. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Um. And and he he was normal, and you had did you have a beer with him, share a cigar with him, just sit yeah. down, and hang out. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. All right. Really enjoyed it. All right, we're done for the day. We'll be back tomorrow.